Hey friend, thanks for listening to the Fixate Phoenix podcast. We are praying that you are blessed by this week's message. If you would like to partner with the future of Fixate, you can visit fixatephx.com slash give. I'm super honored. I got in at, at 2 a.m. this morning because of a flight delay from L.A. Um, my wife and I, we're in Huntington Beach. Um, we are part of a group uh, for years called Circuit Riders. Uh, and uh, it's amazing. You guys are all invited to come hang out, uh, but you can't move there. You guys got to stay here, okay? Um, and then uh, we work with a few uh, organizations or something. If you heard of One Day L.A. and and doing a big gathering, serving cities. My wife and I, we just moved to Houston for about a year and a half, uh, working on one day Houston, uh, and now we're back in Huntington Beach in the promised land, 70 degree weather. I know it's a little warm, but it's okay. It's beautiful. And you guys are the real Christians in the room. It's summer and you're coming to church. Can I get an amen? Something I like to say one of the first times if, if you're hearing me speak uh, or second or third or maybe you've heard it a lot. But so it's really important to know, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit of a Latino Pentecostal. Not a little bit. I am Latino. I'm a little bit of a Pentecostal. A little bit. I guess I'm half. Yeah. So my dad's Puerto Rican, Mexican. Mom's white. I'm from the Yay area, also known as the Bay Area of California. All right. And uh, my dad has six brothers and six or seven sisters. I don't know. I have so many aunties and uncles. It's crazy. I've got over 200 first and second cousins. I'm not even lying. It's crazy. My wife. Oh, switch one? Okay. Switch it. Better. Look at that. Thank you, Justin. My wife has like two cousins. I have like 200. It's crazy, right? And so... uh, so I like to sit for a little bit because I could get a little bit excited, but I want to jump in right away. Uh, I have this, you know, funny saying, goats take notes, you know. So um, if, if you want to pull your phone out or a pad or whatever, you know, I want you to write this down. The title of the message today is The Main Thing. The Main Thing. And I uh, already showed the picture of the Rod Squad, but it, it was incredible. That's what we call me, Chandler, and Pippa, the Rod Squad. Moving on. Um, it was so fun looking in. Again, I was supposed to get here around 11, got in at 2 a.m., had a great conversation with an Uber driver who uh, tried to drop me off on the wrong street. And I'm pretty sure I would have got shot, but it's okay. We're, I made it. We're good. Um, but flying over your city or your cities, the, the, the one word I felt was opportunity. Right. As I was looking over Phoenix and the five cities or seven cities or whatever you want to call it, you know, Scottsdale, Mesa, right. I don't know them all, but I just I just felt incredible opportunity that's before us. And then this is what I want you to do. I want, we're we're, we're going to go through this kind of slowly. But the next slide I wanted I asked Mike, I said, Micah, send me the culture and the DNA of fixate. You guys have been going over it uh, for, for this whole you know, year, not even a year into it. But it's depth, discipline, sacrifice and sustainability. Can we say that together? Depth, discipline, sacrifice, and sustainability. What's really amazing about this, the vision of the church is to restore the gaze of humanity back to the creator and to allow the creator to create again. Can we say that? Can we do it? Come on. On three. One, two, three. And I love that. Who loves that? If you love that, give me a Pentecostal wave. Come on, somebody. Uh, um, I, I love that because so many things are fighting for our attention. Right? Yeah, amen from three people. So many things are fighting for our attention. 
And what we want to do, as we look over, even as I was flying into your city, your beautiful city of Phoenix, even though it's hot, uh, but we won't talk about it just one time, um, is, is we want to restore their right, what does it say? Restore the gaze of humanity back to the creator to allow the creator to create again. And I think what we have an opportunity to do is align ourselves or realign ourselves, even starting this summer. And I, we were going to ask the question, what, what are we looking at? Right. And we're going to jump into the OT, also known as the Old Testament. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and we're going to we're going to look at Moses real quick, because there's a passage, one of my favorite kind of parts. Um, and, and I'll give you a little bit of a breakdown where we're at, because there's so many things fighting for our attention. And the breakdown of, of where we're at is, is you guys know this, but let me let me dive in, is that the Israelites were freed from Egypt and it had been about 90 to 100 days. They're in the wilderness wandering around. Moses is up on this mountain called Mount Sinai. God is actually talking from the mountain. Is that crazy? Like his voice is hearing. And all the people were like, yo, I don't even want to go there. I don't want to touch it. Moses, you go and you come back and you tell us what God says. And, and just again, just side note, how easy is it for us to say to someone else, hey, how about you tell me what God's saying for my life? Right? And, and, and we, we say, we're like, and here's what's crazy. I'm kind of stealing into the end, but we have access to Jesus ourselves. What's important to understand, Micah says it beautifully, Grace, the whole team here, there's nothing special about anyone up on a stage. There's nothing, there, there, in Christianity, there's no elitism. It's Jesus and all of us. Amen? Now, there are the honoring of the pastor, the honoring of the leader, but we up here, with hopefully with fear and trembling, are saying, follow us as we follow Jesus. Right? What does Paul say? Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. And the goal is for us not to prop up someone on a stage or prop up a personality or a gift, but say, God, you've done it in them. You could do it in me. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. So, again, God's design. And God's original design was always for us to have communion with him in the garden, right? Starts in a garden, it ends in a garden, right? And so what's beautiful about this is Moses goes up and, and Jesus, you know, the, the plan's already rolling, I'm digging into it, but in Genesis about Jesus coming. But here we jump in. Moses delays a little bit. He's up there for about 40 days and nights, maybe a little bit less or more. And the people, the Israelites, it's crazy, right? The Israelites go, man, Moses... Man, he's been taking too long. I'm kind of like modernizing it, you know, so just don't forget. They say, yo, Aaron. He goes, what's up? I go, man, Moses, he might be gone. He might have been taken up like Enoch. So, uh, see, uh, I think we should worship. So maybe what you could do is create a God for us to worship, right? And what, what Aaron does is he melts down all their golden earrings and all this stuff, and they create a golden calf. Moses comes down from the mountain stoked, right? Being like, man, God spoke to us. I got the Ten Commandments. Walks down, sees them worshiping, breaks the boom. Talk about dramatic, right? And there's a whole crazy story about it. And this is where we're jumping into it, where God is getting ready to say, hey, I'm going to send you guys out, but I'm not going with you. Okay? So are you, if you're there, say I'm there. Here's what we want to pray. We want to pray. That today, all of us together, that we restore our gaze anywhere that there's been idolatry in our hearts or our life, that we can say, God, you you know me, search me and know me, take every idol out of my life. I want to look at what you have for my life. Amen. Okay, so we're going to we're going to jump in in Exodus 33, one through six. 
Okay, this is after the golden calf moment. This kind of sets the, the tone. Here we go. Are you ready? It says this in the ESV, in your, in your Bible. It says, the Lord said to Moses, depart and go up from here, you and the people who you have brought up out of the land of Egypt, to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, to your offspring, I will give it to you. I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, all the Ites, you know, Jebusites, all of them, you know what I'm saying? Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, okay? Milk and honey, that sounds sticky, but cool. Um, but I will not go up among you, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. When the people heard this disastrous word, they mourned, and no one put on his ornaments, for the Lord had said to Moses, say to the people of Israel, you are a stiff-necked people. If for a single moment I should go up among you, I would consume you. Oh, snap. So now take off your ornaments that I may know what to do with you. Therefore, the people of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments from Mount Horeb onward. Here's what's crazy. It's been a hundred days since leaving Egypt. That was kind of 10 plagues, you know, Prince of Egypt. Anyone seen that? Just, just watch that. That's just, that's just it's fire soundtrack, too. I'm telling you. Sauce. I promise. All right. And the Prince of Egypt, I watch it on VHS. OK, I'm, I'm old. All right. Uh, you know, Blockbuster, anyone remember that? Rented at Blockbuster, hallelujah. Everyone's like, what? All right, um, this is such a crazy moment, and I had this quote uh, from D.L. Uh, Moody. It says, it's not on the, on the screen, but I want you to hear this. It says, you don't have to go to heathen lands today to find false gods. America is full of them. Whatever you love more than God is your idol. I'm going to say it again for myself. Uh, you don't have to go to heathen lands today to find false gods. America is full of them. Whatever you love more than God is your idol. And it's funny. Do you ever read the word and you feel like you give yourself maybe a little bit more benefit of the doubt? Anyone like me? Where you're like, man, I wouldn't have done that. You know what I mean? And then and you're like, oh, excuse me. Were you talking last week about it? And, and like we look into our last week or last night or last month and how prone we are as humanity to turn to something else. Right? Right? For example, we're like, he's the one God. And then he walks by, you were like, where are you, God? Where are you? It's so funny. It's just, it's, just, it's just so funny how we're prone, right? We are prone to easily let our gaze shift to other things. We're so prone, right? This, is, this church is fixate, but we're so prone to get bored with what we're looking at and want to look at something else. I heard a friend of mine, a fellow preacher say, man, with, with our generation, right? And I love it. I'm 34. I'm millennial. Love Gen Z. Love Gen A. Love Gen B. All of them. You know, there's a boomers, millennials, all of them. Moving on from that. In the wilderness, you know, they gave bread every day, every day, right? Manna every day was coming fresh. And for us, easily we want new things, but we dwell ourselves on old revelation, Right? We're like, and, and, and one of the things, if I could be transparent and honest, one of the things my wife and I are talking about and what we feel challenged from the Lord and invitation in is I don't want a past season, years, five, ten years back, to be where I was. I don't want to be like, man, when I was 19, I just remember. Then, you know, 34, you know, gaining some LBs. It's cool. You know, went from basketball to golf, you know, whatever. You know, we're like, like, I just, and, and we almost make this shrine. We make this idol of past moments. 
when what God wants to invite us into is an ever-flowing revelation of His goodness. Amen? Okay, let's keep going. It's super fun. All right, so we're going to have some fun. All right, so then we, in, in next, next verse in seven, 7 through 11. All right, let's read this. It says, Now Moses used to take the tent, which is the tent of meeting, and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp. And he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out of the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Everyone say outside the camp. I feel like we need some of the like Pentecostal fans. I mean, I'm going to buy some and send it. That'd be so sweet. Uh, maybe not like a like the um, what is that? The what, what am I doing? You know, Dan tambourine. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe not that yet. Not yet. Okay. Whenever went out, check this out. Verse eight. Whenever Moses went out to the all the people would rise up and each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. Um, and watch, and when, when Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent. Just, just, I want you to just be in that moment. And the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance um, of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship, each at his tent door. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. So here's what I want to do is that, again, it's so easy just to see with our, you know, our practical eyes. Let me explain what I mean. It's super easy thing to see that maybe this, these generations are uh, far away from God, right? We know the statistics and, you know, we know what's happening in, in, in Europe. We know what's happening here. We know college campuses, right? I've been doing college forever. It's 5% organized Christian groups together. A lot of metro cities like a Phoenix is 1% or 2%. We know all those stats. Those are easy stats. Everyone say it's easy. But, but what we are seeing is through eyes of faith. Everyone say faith. And what we're saying is we're saying that just means the harvest is even more plentiful. Right, Matthew 9, when it says the harvest is plentiful, the labors are few, it, it doesn't say except in, you know, uh, uh, Tempe. Right, is that how you say it? <laughs> yeah, except, at, you know, whatever. Is that how you say it? I don't know, whatever. Um, it, it's so funny how we give, you know, like this, like, asterisk to certain places. Harvest is plentiful except on high school campuses. You know, right now it's really tough, you know. No, what we need to do is we need to send in people to say, no, God is, is hungry and willing to meet people. And people are hungry for spirituality. Amen. And so I want to look at this, even though it's OT and the method, you can write some of this down. I might send it out later. I don't have it on the screen, but I want you to think about the method that Moses did. One, Moses would initiate time with God. That's the first thing he would do. Right. So in this moment, right, God is God is telling the people, hey, Get them out of here because I'm going to consume them on the way. And what does Moses do? Moses first, he initiates time with God and he made his tent the tent of meeting. Right? Think about that. Moses made his tent the tent of meeting. The third thing he did was it was outside the city. He had to separate himself from the city. Right? We're supposed to be in the world but not of it. And the last thing is, is that when Moses worshipped, they all worshipped. So, so what I want to say here is that Moses in this time is, is Moses himself would initiate time with God. I want you to do this. I want you to picture your own mission field. I want you to picture your own, whether it's your campus, whether it's your job, whether it's your family. 
And it doesn't matter what our eyes are seeing, whether you were like, man, this isn't hungry, it's not ready. What Moses would do is he initiated time with God. Then what he would do is he created his own tent to be the place of a tent of meeting. His whole day, his whole moment, he said, I'm going to set this apart and I'm going to also set it outside the city. And sometimes what God is inviting us into is that we say, God, I want to meet with you. Who wants a fresh encounter from God? You're like, man, I just want to hear God speak in a fresh way. Can, can, I, can I get some hand raised? I hope that's all of us. But a lot of times we don't want to do the work. Right? Moses had to go out of the city. And he met with God. He had to separate himself. That's the word consecration, to set ourselves apart. And what happened was when Moses would worship, okay? So, for example, so if I would go over here, let's say this is my tent of meeting, even though I'm not, not musical, right? Let's say it's way out here. Okay, when I walk over here, okay, I want everyone to stand up, okay? This is what Moses did, ready? He would go over here, everyone see, ready? Everyone stand up. Think of, just stay standing for a second. Think, think about that. Think about that. When one man would worship, everyone would worship. The power of him walking over. Okay, and then, and then, I'm, and then we're back in the city. Go ahead and sit down. Sit down, right? Just for a second, think about that. Like every time he would walk out the door, you imagine like, you know there were some people that wanted to be the first outside the door. Like, I'm the first. It's me, you know, competition in your gram, eight people, you know me, you know what I'm saying? But anyways, so think about it again. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. So Moses is just chilling with Joshua and Aaron, you know, Levi. What's up, guys? Um, and then he goes over here, right? And what does everyone do? Go ahead and sit down for a second. Again, we're looking at Moses, but imagine our lifestyle when we would when we go out that it would cause people to say, "What, what are they doing that's different? What, what, what do they have that's different?" And it would cause people to worship. Doing oh wow, powerful. Um. What I believe Fixate is doing, what this church is doing, what you're invited into on this journey with this family is that we are setting this church, this family, this community as a tent, as a meeting place with Jesus. And we believe as we talk to God face to face, that Phoenix is going to stand and say, man, they're doing something different. What, what, what do they have? Why are they together? What, what, what's going on? I feel like it's so easy to say, God, I want to meet with you. But then it's hard to set our tent outside of our city. It's like he could have set it next to his bed, right? But he set it outside the city. So he had to go. It took him a journey to walk outside the city and everyone would look and, and, and participate because they saw that he was going somewhere to meet with Jesus. All right, and now, now let's do that. Just a little, little pre. That's his method. But, but here we get into the meat of it. We're not going to go long, but we'll see. You know, it's okay. It's hot outside. You don't need to be outside. It's cool. Um, and, and here we look at, you know, we, we saw the setup. We saw the method. Now we're going to see the breakthrough. Because this is where, this is a pivotal time. This is the beauty of intercession. Intercession just means standing in the gap. Okay? means standing in the gap between a person or a, an issue or a cause and you are standing on behalf. And so this is where Moses intercedes on behalf of the Israelite people. And this is a beautiful moment. 
In verse 12, we're going to read the whole portion, and then we're going to break it down. It says, Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up the, this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also, and, and have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me your ways, that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Right before he said he wanted, now he's saying he will. Verse fifteen, and he said to him, Moses goes, check this out. Moses goes, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up out of here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us, so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? Verse 17, and the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you have spoken, I will do for you have found favor in my sight and I know you by name. Okay, we're going to pause there. We'll we'll go, we'll go back to it, but we're going to pause. This is what I want you to to think about. I want you to think about just real, real briefly, four things. Okay. So the first, you could write it down is I want you to write down the people. Okay. Just write down the people. And with Moses, as we look into this, Moses, I wrote this down. Moses led the people wildly, but he feared God more than he feared the people he was leading. And I think that something that uh, this generation is dealing with in a heavy way is, is anxiety, right? Is fear, is, is, is crippling anxiety and fear. And, and our question in this is that just as Moses did, I want, you, I want you to ask yourself this question. I'm asking myself is, do you fear God or do you fear people? And, and we all deal with different levels of fear, but it's so easy to be like, well, God, I want to I want to lead this one day or I want to be here. And it's so easy to be swayed by the people. Even as we see Jesus, Jesus was walking into Jerusalem and they said, Hosanna, 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 laid down palm branches. And then a week later, they said, crucify him. Right. So people will sway. And it's, it's not that we don't honor people, but what we do is we say, God, I fear you more than the people that you're entrusting me. What I believe uh, this morning-ish afternoon, right, since it's uh, 11-ish to 12, what I believe is that those of you that have walked in with some crippling fear things, God will set you free. And we believe even today could be a stake in the ground freedom moment that when we look to Jesus, that our fear that cripples us could be broken down. And we say, God, I give you this fear and we'll be changed from the inside out. It might be just for three or four of us. It might be 10 or 15. But if you have a crippling area of fear and fear of people and always living in other people's heads, I believe that today there's freedom for you. Why? Because when we look to Jesus, he tells us our worth and he tells us whether people are with you or not with you, I will walk with you. Amen. So I want you to ask yourself that. Do you fear God? Do you fear people? The second thing, which is so beautiful, is that God, you know, God speaks to Moses and he goes, it's, it's a really cool verse. It says, um, you know, um, it says, um, I know you by name. I found favor in your sight. It says, my presence will give you and I will give you rest. In verse uh, 15, if your presence won't go with me, do not bring us up out of here. For how shall it be known? I have found favor in your sight. I and your people. Is it not in your going with us so that we're distinct from every other person on the earth? And the second point I want you to write down is the promise. The promise. 
And next to it, I put good, but is it God? Here's what's beautiful. When God gives us a promise, it will be by his timing and not ours. Amen. And and, and here's what I want you to, to, to ask yourself this question. Do we love God according to his blessing or do we love God himself? Can we be can we be real and honest and take off our you know maybe our church face for for a second? Meaning, how much of the time will we be okay with saying, God, if you give me the promise, we're cool. Like send Gabriel, Archangel coming in. That'd be dope, dude. Let's go to the promised land, milk and honey. Let's go. But what's beautiful about what Moses did was he said, Listen, I would rather stay in the wilderness and in the desert with your presence than go into my promise without you there. And I think that's a question we got to ask ourselves is that the timing of it. A lot of times what happens is God gives us a promise, but it's not according to our timetable. And what do we do? We create an Ishmael out of it. What does that mean? And and I want you to to hear this, right? Because I wrote this and I said, when we interpret what Jesus means for our promise, that is the moment when we create an Ishmael. Let me explain. Abraham, you know this, but Abraham, God promised him when he was old, like old, old. I mean, oh, you know what I'm saying? Him and Sarah. They said, you're going to have a, you're going to have a son. And Sarah said, ha, ha. right. She just laughed at it, you know? And then God goes, you laughed. And she goes, I didn't, but she did. You know what I'm saying? It's just in the Bible. There's comedy all over. It's amazing. So then like a, like a decade goes by and, and they're like, mm, no, no child. Five years, six years, seven years. They said, you know what? Uh, you know, when God said we're going to have a child, what he meant was you going to sleep with this girl and she going to give you a son. And what do they do? It was so crazy that they reinterpreted the promise from his own wife saying sleep with this woman. And she had a child. It's so crazy. And here's what's, what's crazy about it is that Ishmael was just as much of a son to Abraham as Isaac was. So when he had to release it to the Lord, when we create an interpretation for the promise of God in our time, what we do is we create something that is only sustained by our strength. And some of us, come on, let's be honest, some of us have been in a place where we've created, we've taken the promise of God from the Lord, and and, and what we've done is we say, okay, God, it's this year, it's 2023, or it's 2022, or it's 2019, and we're wondering why we're so exhausted, it's because we're maintaining our promise, and it's not by the grace of God. And what what we got to do is we got to give the Lord our promise, and here's what's crazy, Abraham sends Ishmael out and and Hagar and God takes care of them. And then once he does that, God says, okay, now take your son, the one you love, sacrifice him. (laughs) Man, if God would tell me that, I said, the devil is a liar in Jesus name. But Abraham trusted the Lord so much that he said, even if God would raise him back from the dead. And what we got to do is we got to take the promises that God has given us and say, we lay it on the altar and we say, whether God provides a ram in the thicket or like Jesus, he raises this promise from the dead. I will trust your ways, God. Moses in this moment, I want you to hear this again. Take the OT moment right in the wilderness. Take it here. It's kind of like, think about it. They're in the wilderness, probably like Phoenix high. You know what I'm saying? They could go to the land of milk and honeys. I mean, honey, you know what I mean? Like they could go, they could go to a place that is just amazing, right? But Moses says, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. If your presence isn't with me, I'm not going anywhere. Ask yourself this question. I need to ask yourself this question. What is the promise 
that God is telling you, and are you trusting his timing? As we think about it, as we ponder it, because you look at anyone in the word, and when they got a call of God over their life, look at the preparation period. And I think a lot of times it's human nature, especially as, you know, Americans, uh, it's so easy for us um, and just humanity in general at this day and age to rush into what God is doing. And I feel like even, you know, some of you guys are saying, but Sam, man, like I've been waiting for like eight months now. Okay, (laughs) I've been waiting for like two, three years. It's God's grace that he delays his promise to prepare you to carry what you're going to carry. And you got to understand that if you're carrying the promise now, it might ruin you, right? If we get to somewhere, you know, that God's saying before God, we don't get there early. We get there, you know, we're not just getting there early. We're getting there at the wrong time, right? We're not just getting there early. We're just, we're not trusting in the process and we're having to sustain in our own. So trusting in the promise. The third one, here's what's amazing. Again, we're, we're finishing, get the... You finish, finish up, get, get, get some of the keys real quick. Um, going. Two more. But what's beautiful is, is, is Moses goes, I'm not going anywhere without you. And God goes, my presence will go with you and I will give you what? Rest. The third one I want you to write down is the presence. And it's the main thing. I will give you rest. Here's what's beautiful about it. I want you to hear this. It's, God isn't giving us rest according to what we think is rest, right? It's not ease. It's not no problems, but rest in the midst of chaos. Here's what's crazy about the promised land. We find out later, you know, they send in spies and of the 12, two are like, it's dope. Ton of fruit, huge grapes, it's fire. Uh, and, and then 10 of them are like, nah, these giants are massive. I mean, shack size, you know, Victor Wimbinyama, you know what I mean? But like yoked, you know, if you don't know, that's a basketball reference. He's seven, five moving on. Um, and, and they had to wander for 40 years because of their unbelief. When they went into their promise though, after 40 years, here's what's crazy. In the wilderness, food was provided. Their clothes never wore out. They had fire by night. Like, they weren't cold. A cloud by day. They weren't getting, like, roasted and toasted. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was dope. They had some manna, some bread. Literally, you would eat it, and it would just go straight muscle. Right? It's crazy. It's like gluten-free, heavenly. I don't know. It's just it's delicious. They even had some quail. All right? Okay? And so it's crazy. But the moment they entered the, in their promise, the food stopped. Their clothes wore out. They had to start fighting. And what happens is the moment sometimes when we walk into our promise, we'll feel a little warfare. Have you ever felt warfare when you start closing in on, on you know, what God's doing in your life? We had two hands. Right? Yeah, hallelujah. Who, anyone else in, in the room? Just, 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 just three of us. You ever feel like, man, I, I feel like I'm getting close to what God has, but I feel this tension. Why is it? Why is my family all in upheaval? And, 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 and why am I stressing? Or why did I lose this job? Has, has that happened to anybody? Well, it's because, right? The safest place for us to be is not where there is no battle. The safest place for us to be is in the will of God. And when the Lord said, I will give you rest, what he said was, I'm going to give you your promise. You're going to have to battle, but I'm giving you the land. And what's amazing is that Psalms 23, I wish I could do another message on this right now, but I can't. But it says he prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Isn't that crazy? 
So I want you to think about it. If you, if right now you're feeling the most attacked, I mean, you're, you're battling through stuff, whether it's addiction, you're battling through struggles and tension. There's a table. If you look around, God wants to commune with you. If you're surrounded, God's saying it's time to eat. How is that smart for me to like be surrounded and eat food and turn my back to the enemy? Why? Because his presence says his goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I want to encourage someone and all of us in the room that as his presence goes, as his battle thickens, God is going to give us his presence and give us rest. Amen. Last one. Last one. We're finishing up. I promise you. We're finishing up. Verse 18 and 33, it says, Moses said, please show me your glory. So he went a step further, right? He says, I I love the people, but I'm not going to fear them. I love your promise, but it's not more than your presence. And then God goes, I'm going to give you my presence. I'm going to give you what you asked for. I'm going with you. And then Moses gets a little bold and he goes, "Would would you show me your glory? And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you can't see my face and you you can't see my face and see me and live. Verse 21. And the Lord said, behold, there's a place by where you shall stand on the rock and will. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take my hand away. and You shall see my back but my face shall not be seen. Next chapter, two verses, three verses says in verse five, the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed by and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquities and transgressions and sins, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children, the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. As we go through the chapter, because we don't have time for it, because we're going to go just a few verses in the New Testament. But when Moses came down the mountain, when he would talk to people, his face would shine. And the people were so afraid that after he would talk, he would have to put a veil over his face. Because people were afraid of the glory that was shining out from his face. But check this out. Again, we're, we're ending, I promise. Verse 7, 2 Corinthians. Here, we, we're ending. I promise you, I promise. Now, if the ministry of death carved in letters on came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? Can I get an amen from two people? Come on, this is Bible. Everything I'm sharing is is good thoughts, but this is the word of God living and active will cut through us. Verse nine, for if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpassed it. Can I get an amen? For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Someone say, I'm bold. 
Not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome. What was being brought to an end? Verse 14. But their minds were hardened for to this day when they read the old covenant, what we just read, that same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ it is taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now now hear this. Let this sink into your soul. Let this sink into your spirit. Now the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom. And we all with unveiled faces behold the glory of the Lord are being transformed in the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the spirit. Can I get an amen? I believe what God's doing here in this city through countless churches and it's incredible but what God's doing here in Fix Eight is he's bringing together a group of people that says God I love your people and I love your promise but if your presence isn't with us how are we different than any other group and like Moses when God said I'm sending my presence Moses goes let me see your glory and what's crazy is his face was like the sun shining. Think about that. Imagine you walked out and you're like, snap, there's two suns. There's that one. And then this guy, this girl right here is crazy, right? And then in 2 Corinthians, we read and it says that an even greater glory is available to us. One of my friends, he has this saying and when we're ending, he says, the, the presence that killed the priest is the air that we breathe. Meaning, in the Old Testament, only one man could go into the Holy of Holies once a year. It would tie on his ankle a rope and bells because a lot of times the priest, the holiest guy, would fall dead because he would have sin. When Jesus dies on a cross, when he died on a cross and rose from the grave, when he died, the veil separating the, 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 the inner courts from the Holy of Holies was ripped from the top to the bottom, right? It wasn't bottom to top. If it was bottom to top, it would mean that it was a man-made thing. We ripped it, but it was top to bottom. God ripped it himself. He divided or he, he destroyed the dividing wall of hostility, meaning, again, the presence that would kill those priests thousands of years ago is, take a deep breath real quick. Am I crazy? And what happens is the devil's so crafty. He gets us focusing on our future. Who are we going to be with? Who are we going to marry? How's our kids going to be okay? How's our job going to do? How's our family? And, and all those things, they're not bad things to worry about, but, but the enemy gets us to worry about temporal kind of momentary things and not prioritize standing in his presence, being fixated on what God has for us and on who he is, fixated on the creator. And then people around you say, man, you act different, man. You talk different. How are you different? You're saying, because God is changing me inside. It's nothing that I could do. I want to encourage you this morning, probably afternoon now. Let's just cut aside all the the, the religiosity, all the right answers. That's okay, amen. All those all the easy answers and just say, God, I want to see you as you are. 
I don't want to, I don't want to have this mentality that it's this, you know, elitist Christianity. I've arrived because I've been saved since I was two or whether you are in here and you don't know Jesus, we're going to give an opportunity to surrender your life. Or maybe you, you know, you like you were born saved, you know, coming out of the womb and speaking in tongues, you know what I mean? Whatever it is, right? Can we just remove all of our history and say, God, I want to see you as you are in a fresh way. And if we are have that hope, we are so bold. Can we do this? Can everyone stand real quick? And here's what we're going to do. Okay? Close your eyes. Focus on Jesus. The first opportunity... I love giving every time I come together at any moment is to surrender your life to Jesus. And so with every head bowed and all eyes closed, maybe, you know, in worship you felt, you know, man, you're like, man, this is some cool group karaoke. This is dope. You know, like it is. It's really cool. You felt something happening. And even as I was sharing or uh, talking about chocolate bars, whatever it is, but you just say, man, Sam, uh, I used to know Jesus and I walked away from him. Maybe you walk in here and you're like, actually, I never grew up knowing Jesus. We want to, we always want to give an opportunity for you to surrender your life to Jesus. So whether I like to say for the first time or for the last time, what I'm going to do is I'm going to count to three. And if you know that, you know, that, you know, you got to get right with God. If you know that, man, this, this, this walk has been a a family walk or uh, it's been a distant moment, but I want to have this personal relationship with Jesus. You can talk to him face to face. And it means surrendering everything, surrendering every idol, surrendering everything in your life. And if you're at that place where you know that you're ready, whether for the first time or last time, a lot of us in this room, we've already said yes to this. So you're being welcomed into a family. But if you know that today's your moment, don't look around. It's between you and the Lord. But if that's you, on the count of three, I want you to to lift your hands up. We would love to pray with you. Okay, one, Jesus loves you so much, too. It's the greatest kind of decision you can make in your life. Three, if that's you, can you just lift up your hand? Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. We'll wait a few more seconds. If there's anyone else here saying, man, I just, I know that first, whether for the first time or last time. And thank you. Here's what we're going to do. as Because it's a family, we're going to pray together, all right? say this when we say Jesus thank you so much for loving us for coming to the earth say we believe that you came over 2,000 years ago come on we can say it a little louder say we believe you came over 2,000 years ago fully God fully man died on a cross you rose from the grave And today, Jesus, I make my confession. I repent of my sin. I ask you to wipe my slate clean. And I say yes to you, Jesus, once and for all, as the Lord and Savior of my life. open up your hands all of us together and say this with me eyes closed all together say Holy Spirit come and fill me up 
pray for you. Just keep your hands up on Jesus. I pray for every person that prayed that prayer. They confess with their mouth. They believe in their heart. He says in Romans that they shall be saved. And we know that heaven's thrown a party. So whether they came back home like the prodigal son, or maybe this was their first time, we thank you so much for that. Yes, Holy Spirit, come and fill us up. The last thing we're going to do, and then we're going to do a brief worship, and then we'll be done with your hands open like this, eyes closed. I felt an invitation from Jesus for us in this community to really look at our life and say, like D.L. Moody said, whatever we love more than God is an idol. And if you feel like God is confronting an idol in your life, you can can you just 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 lift up both hands real quick you're like man i just i want this i want this idol destroyed in my life i'm gonna lift up my hands if you don't feel it but i just feel like i want nothing above his presence and so jesus i pray for all of us right now lord would you tear down the idols in our life jesus would you rip out any of our golden calves Whatever that might be, whatever we give our time and our focus to, Lord, we we give you permission. Not that you need it, but we give you permission. Say, Jesus, say this when we say, Jesus, I give you permission to destroy my idols, to make me uncomfortable, because I want to see your face. We're going to worship just for a, a, a minute or two. We're going to ask God to show us his glory. Lord, I pray, would you show us your glory in a fresh way, in a fresh way? Come on, let's just sing just for a few minutes and we'll close. Let's just sing for a few minutes and we'll close.